Turn with me to Matthew chapter 3 and verse 13. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. God laid this upon my heart, uh, not yesterday, but last Saturday, and um, began to work on me. Um, When I was a youth pastor, I had a middle school girl named Amy Delk who ended up giving her heart to faith in Jesus Christ. And uh, uh, I was so excited about that. And the day came to baptize her, and the pastor said, Would you like to baptize her? I said, Yeah, that would be great. And so um, I, I, I baptized her. And afterward, I was talking to her as she had come up out of the water uh, and, and, you know, had come up, come up the stairs and everything, and, and we were talking. She said, I felt something. I said, well, what do you mean? And she said, when I, when I was baptized, I felt something. And I said, well, that's God telling you that he's approving of what you're doing. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I tell you what, I, I didn't have that experience when I was baptized, and I don't think I've ever heard anybody else tell me that they had that experience when they were baptized. But I do think that that reflects the heart of God toward the institution of baptism. Uh, because it delights the heart of God when his people follow him in obedience to the command to be baptized. Um, the, the, we all need to follow God in this step of obedience as a testimony to God's people, as an encouragement, and also to a testimony to the world uh, as, as we take that step of obedience. Uh, this scripture is, is unique in that the person who really didn't need to be baptized, came to be baptized. Jesus Christ. John is preaching a baptism of repentance. And if if you're going to repent of something, that means you need to have done something wrong. But Jesus had done nothing wrong. Jesus was perfect and holy. And so John is telling the folks, he's saying, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And And they're coming and they're being baptized as they are baptized. They're confessing their sins. And then Jesus comes. And John kind of does a double take and he says, you're coming to me? The, The Greek is emphatic. You are coming to me? He couldn't believe it. He says, I need to be baptized by you. Why would you come to me to be baptized? And Jesus said, It's to fulfill all righteousness. And so John went ahead and baptized him. And the scripture tells us that when John baptized Jesus, as he came up out of the water, the spirit came down like a dove and came upon him. And Jesus was in order of the spirit. And a voice from heaven came that said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And so, we need to follow Jesus' example of being baptized once we have placed our trust in Jesus Christ, repenting of our sins. And and, and we have made that decision, and we know Christ, then we're ready to give that testimony of baptism. The title of my message is The Necessity of Baptism. You say, well, I've already been baptized, preacher, I'm going to check out. Please don't, because I think you will be encouraged by what you hear. 
Uh, and uh, if you haven't been baptized, I hope this does encourage you to be baptized. But uh, if you have been baptized, thinking about the truths of baptism uh, is an occasion to worship because it shows the great plan of God for mankind. And so, uh, the necessity of baptism. Let's begin reading in Matthew 3 and verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. But John tried to stop him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and yet you come to me? Jesus answered him, allow it now, because this is the way for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John allowed him to be baptized. When Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. The heavens suddenly opened for him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. The necessity of baptism. Why is it necessary? It's necessary because of several things. First of all, it's necessary because of its humility. It's humility. If you look in verse 14, John says, I need to be baptized by you, and yet you come to me. What was Jesus doing? Jesus was humbling himself. Jesus said, I am meek and lowly in heart. What an amazing character quality for the one who spoke the universe into existence to have, to be one of humility. Jesus willingly chose to humble himself. I'm so glad he did. Philippians tells us that Jesus emptied himself to take on the form of a servant and to be obedient unto death, even death on a cross. So as Jesus came into the water, he was humbling himself. He was identifying with you and me and showing the way that he would bring us salvation. So it's humility. I, I tell you what, uh, I heard one preacher say, some Baptists don't bend at the knee. They strut around like peacocks rather than humbling themselves before God. But can I tell you something? Humility is a very important thing in the life of a Christian because the Bible says God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I don't know about you, but I need all the grace from God I can get. And so uh, as we humble ourselves, then God brings his grace. And so that's one reason baptism is a necessity because it humbles us. We say what we do when we are baptized is basically we're acknowledging that we're sinners. That we need the cleansing that only comes through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're saying I'm, I'm a sinner and I need Jesus and I am placing all my trust in him. Um, Somebody once said, witnessing is one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. I like that. Uh, we need the bread that only God can provide. And as we humble ourselves, God gives us the grace that we need. So the necessity of baptism, why is it necessary? It's necessary because of its humility. Secondly, it's necessary because of its righteousness. It's, it's rightness. In the eyes of God. Look at verse 15. Jesus answered him, allow it for now, because this is the way for us to fulfill all righteousness. 
Jesus said, this is the right thing to do. This is what I am called to do. Though Jesus hadn't committed any sin, though Jesus didn't need to repent of anything, he said, this is the right thing to do. I tell you what, God has called us to do the right thing, hasn't he? And so, uh, baptism is a right, a righteous thing to do. When I am baptized, I'm being obedient to God. When Jesus gave the Great Commission, he said, Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Isn't it interesting that Jesus would mention baptism in the Great Commission? You ever thought about that? Why did Jesus mention that? Because it's the right thing to do. It's the way that we show God. We're going to honor him with obedience in our life. It's a first step of obedience. It's saying, Lord, I've chosen to follow you, and I don't care who knows it. I'm going to follow you, and I'm going to follow you publicly. And so baptism is the right thing to do. So you need to be baptized. If you've trusted Christ, you've repented of your sin, and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you need to be baptized. So baptism is necessary. Why? It's humility. It's righteousness or it's rightness. It's picture. Look at verse 16. When Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. Now, literally the Greek says he was raised up immediately from the I kind of like that because what was Jesus getting ready to do? He was going to the cross. Baptism is a picture of what Jesus was going to do. The whole mission for which Jesus came was to die and be raised. And so baptism was a picture of what Jesus would come to do. When we are baptized, we are enacting that picture. We are saying, once again, I'm identifying myself with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's what I put my faith in for salvation and nothing else. You see, there's a lot of people that don't want to identify with Jesus. There are people, we were, we were talking this morning about People who say there are many ways to salvation. That's not what the Bible teaches. I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus said. No one comes to the Father but by me. Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. But if you won't confess me before men, neither will I confess you before my Father in heaven. So that willingness to openly identify with Jesus Christ is part of what baptism is about. Now, baptism doesn't save you. The thief on the cross was not baptized. <laughs> he put his faith in Jesus Christ and was saved. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Baptism doesn't save anybody. But baptism is the fruit of that salvation. And baptism is the willing expression of our identification with Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Have you ever had a boyfriend or girlfriend that you were ashamed of? 
Hopefully not. <laughs> but that can be an awkward situation, right? If they show up at the time you're not planning on it and embarrass you, right? Some people are embarrassed of Jesus Christ. They don't want to, anybody to know that they're a Christian. They want to be undercover. Well, I'm not going to tell them I go to church. Or I'm not going to tell them I'm a Christian. They'll think I'm a fanatic. Baptism says I don't care who thinks what about my relationship with Christ. I am identifying with him publicly. I'm saying Jesus is my Lord and I'm not ashamed of it. I identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's a picture. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. If Jesus hadn't died on the cross, not a single one of us would be in, hell, uh, in heaven and all of us would be in hell. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So the picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ is reflected in baptism. As we do that, we identify with Christ. So why is baptism necessary? It's humility, it's righteousness, it's picture. Thirdly, it's anticipation. It's anticipation. I just read to you this scripture, verse 16, when Jesus was baptized... He went up immediately from the water. He went up, literally he raised up. It's an anticipation of what's yet to come. Because Jesus died and rose, can I tell you something? I'm going to die one day if Jesus tarries. But I'm also going to rise. Uh, Chris Tomlin came out with a song a while back called I Will Rise. I told Sherry when I heard that song, I said, I want that played at my funeral. Because I'm going to be having a party. I'm not going to, I'm going to rise. Isn't it a wonderful thing to know that one day the grief and the heartache and the pain of this life will be over. And we'll enter into the joy and the fulfillment of everything that God has planned for us. Marvel not, brothers, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. I'm going to see Jesus' face. So, baptism is an anticipation of that. Uh, I, I joke with people sometimes when I baptize them, I say, now, because we're Baptists, we hold you under to make sure it takes. You know, and, and sometimes people give me a little bit of a worried look, but I've never done that, just in case you're wondering. But uh, it is true that once you get put under the water, you're raised back up, and it's a picture that one day Jesus is coming. I'm going to receive a glorified body, and I'm going to be with Jesus. And it's an anticipation. It's a Looking forward. Aren't you glad that we have a hope? In just a moment, Jesus could come. So the necessity of baptism, it's humility, it's righteousness, it's picture, it's anticipation, it's fulfillment. The second part of verse 16 says, the heavens suddenly opened for him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him. You see, baptism is spoken of in the book of Acts as a baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
So the, the fulfillment was yet to come of the picture that Jesus was giving here. Not only the death and resurrection of Christ, but the coming of the Spirit. And I believe that every believer who puts their faith in Jesus Christ for salvation receives what's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. At that moment, the Spirit of God enters into your heart and life. Now, I believe there can be deeper experiences of that later on. Um, and hopefully there will be, right? I don't want to stay where I'm at. I want to grow deeper in the Lord and walk more closely with Him, have more of the joy of the Lord and the power of the Lord and so forth upon my life. Um, but this baptism of the Spirit, this fulfillment of what God had planned. You see, all the Old Testament looked forward to this day. Joel said, in the last days I will pour out my Spirit Upon all flesh. This day where, as Moses said, I wish that all God's people were prophets. You remember that? Uh, he had set up his, his father-in-law given, said, Moses, you're trying to do it all. You, you, you can't do it all. you got to appoint some people to help you with the workload. And so Moses prays for these people to receive a measure of the Spirit of God so that they could counsel and be judges and so forth in the in the land of Israel and they could help the people of God as a support to Moses and uh, he tells them to come to the tent of meeting but one of them stays behind and the spirit of God comes down and he begins to prophesy in the camp of Israel and Joshua kind of gets gets upset about it he says well, this guy's prophesying Moses that's what you're supposed to do Moses says I wish that all God's people were prophets I wish that all God's people had the Spirit of God. Can I tell you, that's what happened through the work of Jesus Christ. He poured out His Spirit at Pentecost so that every person who puts their trust in Jesus Christ could have the Spirit of God dwell within them. The fulfillment of God's purpose is represented by baptism. I think Amy, that I was mentioning to you, I think God may have touched her with his spirit a little bit during that time as an encouragement to her and her new walk with God. But every child of God has this blessing, this fulfillment. Baptism is a picture of it. So the necessity of baptism, it's necessary for its humility, its righteousness, its picture, its anticipation, its fulfillment. Next, its identification. Look at verse 17. And a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son. Was Jesus his son beforehand? Absolutely. Was Jesus his son after? Absolutely. But for some reason, God chose the baptism of Jesus. We know there's, we know there's some other reasons for that. His identification with John the Baptist is the gospel of John tells us and so forth. But for some reason... God chooses this moment in Jesus' life to declare how special Jesus is. This is my beloved son. Can I tell you something? When you're baptized, what you're declaring is that God has adopted you into his family. There's, there's no son like Jesus. Jesus is the divine son of God, and none of us are divine Jesus alone has that, that name. But we are the adopted children of God. And what we're saying when we're baptized is we're saying, I am God's child. 
And God is saying, this is my beloved son or this is my beloved daughter. I think he was doing that on Jesus for a special reason to say, this is my son like no other son. But for us, baptism is a way that we're identified as the children of God. Did you know the Romans, when they persecuted Christians, didn't persecute people who just made a profession? Persecution started once you were baptized. Because when you were baptized in those days, you would confess like Romans 10, 13, or 10, 9 and 10 say. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you would say, Jesus is Lord. And they would put you into the water and raise you up. And the reason that was a problem was because they were commanded to say Caesar is Lord. But what they were saying is, I'm a child of God. Jesus is my Lord. And it brought persecution. Because they were publicly acknowledging whose they were. But have you ever thought about how awesome it is that you're a child of God? That you're adopted into the family of God. Sometimes they roll out the red carpet for the president, right? Uh, or you have the Queen of England, you know, and they, um, a lot of people get into all that royalty stuff, you know, and like to read the articles about the Prince of Wales or whoever and whatever over there in England. All the pomp and circumstance and so forth, and we, Your Highness, you know, and all this stuff. Can I tell you something? You people in this auditorium here today, you've been adopted into the family of God. You're princes and princesses of the high king of all creation. You are his. And when you are baptized, you're saying, I belong to Jesus and he belongs to me. One of the goals of the Old Testament was that God wanted to dwell among his people you had the tabernacle and God's glory comes down upon the tabernacle but God's presence was kind of dangerous for them because God was holy and they were sinners and so you have even very at the early earliest days you have Nadab and Abihu struck down burned with fire from the tabernacle for blaspheming God with a with an, an unacceptable offering uh, ultimately the the Israelites did the sacrificial system as a way for them to approach the presence of God. But there was a blocking veil in front of the tabernacle. And then a, another veil in front of the Holy of Holies. They were separated from God. But God's longing was to be with his people. Ultimately, the people of Israel rebelled against God. And over time, the rebellion got so great and the wickedness was so great that God sent them into captivity and he told them in the book of Ezekiel that his presence would depart from them but that one day it would come back. And I believe that happened when Jesus came back or Jesus came to the temple in his first coming. But God's heart has always been to dwell with his people, to have a relationship they will be my people, and I myself will be with them and will be their God. And I love what Revelation adds, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. This is the relationship that God longs to have with each one of us, where he provides the deepest needs of our heart through a relationship with him. 
it's identification. Baptism, when we we're baptized, we're identifying ourselves as the sons and the daughters of God. That we have a relationship with him. That he's our daddy. Remember what Jesus said? Abba, Father. Come to him like dada. <laughs> that simple, intimate approach in prayer. This is the relationship that we have through the blood of Jesus. And as we are baptized, we're declaring this. We belong to him and he belongs to us. It's identification. And finally, I want you to see it's delight. The necessity of baptism, why is it necessary? It's necessary because of its delight. God says, with whom I am well I remember the first time I held my, my daughter and then later my son and, and the feeling in my heart. It's hard to explain unless you've experienced that. This instant connection, this instant powerful love that you have. And um, they were mine. And there was a delight in my heart. That I was able to have a relationship with them as my children. Then there came that day where I took my kids to church the first time. I remember we took Megan to church. She, she had chubby cheeks. And one, of the, one of the deacons said, well, that baby hasn't missed many meals. <laughs> and... Uh, but they were so excited to see her for the first time. Isn't that fun when somebody brings a baby to church for the first time? I love that. We get to meet them. And, uh, there's a delight among God's people. Baptism is a place where God gets to express his delight. And we get to express our delight. That somebody who's lost has been found. And that we are part of the family of God. And there's a new person has been born into the family of God. It's a celebration. It's a delight. God says to Jesus, this is my beloved son. I'm proud of him. He's mine. And I'm declaring it before you all. Um, it's delight. I want to tell you something. There's a delight that God has when we're baptized. You ever think about that? He expresses his delight. It's precious to him. The Bible says the angels of heaven rejoice when we're saved. They're doing, I don't know if they do a, one of these things or exactly what they do, but, but they're excited. There's rejoicing in heaven because one that was lost has been found. This person has been adopted into God's family. The Bible says that Jesus is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. The Bible also says that we are chosen. I know there's controversy over that. But I think you can freely choose Jesus Christ. And God knows who's going to choose. And he chooses to save us. But it's more than just a general choosing. It's a specific personal choosing. That God saw Roger Pugh. Not because of something in Roger Pugh. There's nothing that, that I deserve. He saw you. And he said, you know what, I love not just the people in general, but I love that person enough to send my son to die 
the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. He saw your name. He saw my name. I love what Isaiah 53 says. Uh, it says that he saw, he saw the joy yet to come, so he endured the cross. That joy is you and me. He saw us. There's a, an old song that says, when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. I believe that's true. Why did Jesus agonize in the Garden of Gethsemane? Yet he knew what he was facing. He was going to face the wrath, the fury of a holy God in all its fullness, its infinite power, an eternity of hell in a moment of time for every man who's ever sinned against God. Jesus knew what was coming, but he willingly chose to endure it. Why? He saw you and he saw me. He delighted in us and he said, though this pain is so great, though this agony is beyond anything I could describe, my love for my people is greater. And he delighted in you and he delighted in me and he went to the cross. God said it pleased me to crush him. Why? Because he saw you and he saw me. So baptism is kind of the official declaration before the people of God, but also before God himself, where God says, hey, this is my newly adopted son or daughter, and I delight in them, in him, in, in her. Did you know that there's a psalm that says that God delights over us with dancing? I don't know if you've ever thought about that verse too much or if you've read that verse. That's kind of a hard thing for me to wrap my mind around because the, the awesome holy God who nobody can view his presence without being destroyed. Uh, he's holy. He, the, the angels have to cover their face before him. This holy, awesome, powerful God. He lights over me. But that's what the Word of God says. Matter of fact, it says he dances. Now, I don't know how he does that. I, I guess we'll get to see that when we get to heaven. But he dances over us. He's so excited. You ever see your, your kids on Christmas morning? And they're like, you know, they're so excited. I think that's rejoicing with dancing. That's God's heart for you and for me. He delights in us. And so as we're baptized... We give God an opportunity to publicly delight in us. And we delight in Him. So the necessity of baptism. Why should you be baptized? It's necessary because of its humility, its righteousness, its picture, its anticipation, its fulfillment, its identification, and its delight. Do you know Jesus Christ this morning? If you don't, Jesus died for your sin on the cross. He paid it the price in full, and he rose from the dead. And the Bible says that if you will surrender your heart to him, the Bible calls that repentance, confessing him as Lord, same thing. And you will believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And so if you'd like to, to make that decision this morning and confess Jesus as your Lord, I'd love to to pray a prayer of commitment with you. 
uh, here at the front. Uh, you don't necessarily need a preacher to do that. We talked about the Gideons. They leave Bibles. People just pick up a Bible and hear the word of God and get saved. You, you don't necessarily need a preacher, but can I, I, I'm willing. I'd be, be delighted to help you pray uh, a prayer of commitment to Christ. But, uh, but the Bible also says now is the day of salvation. Don't, we don't need to wait and put that off. And so um, God wants a relationship with you. He wants uh, to be your God and for you to be his people, right? Um, and so uh, if you'd like to make that decision, I'll be here at the front here in a moment uh, to pray with you. If you have made that decision and you've never been baptized, it's time to be baptized. You need to come and set up a time to be baptized and follow the Lord in that step of obedience. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And uh, Lord, sometimes uh, uh, we don't think of all of the different...